0: me this evening to the 8th Psalm. Psalm 8, and while you're turning, just a couple of other matters. First, many of you were gathered at the Lawrences yesterday, a little brief return visit for Joseph before he heads to Korea in the next stage of service. Joseph, it's good to have you, and um, our prayers are with you as you journey and serve But anyway, and we thank the Lawrences for some good food and fellowship yesterday. That was good stuff. But also, uh, first of the year, we opened the year in our evening services with some messages on the Lord's Day. Those in some way were based on the sequence, at least, of uh, Daniel Wilson, who was an evangelical Anglican of 150-plus years ago now and one of the founders of what's called the Lord's Day Observance Society, but I mentioned another book, and I've ordered some of those, and uh, we have them. They've come in, so if if you haven't yet settled on your summer reading, I particularly was encouraging men and heads of households and so forth, but uh, this is a nice little volume. I actually have, I think, one chapter or so still to read in this one myself. I didn't Read all of that as we were preparing for those messages. Was very encouraged. Uh, This is contemporary, um, so um, there are several copies on the back there. I don't remember their cost. Take them if you're going to read it, and whatever the Lord lays on your heart—five bucks, ten bucks, five hundred—just label it and put it in the box as book ministry, and that'll help help the people to keep the books. So anyway, but do look at that. Uh, Like I said, for summer reading, it may be a worthy, worthy volume. I want to read Psalm 8 together this evening to the chief musician upon Gittith. Some of the commentaries wrestle with that. I think there are three psalms that use that, perhaps an instrument. Maybe it was invented in Gath. Those from Gath were Gittites. Uh, Again, we just don't know the origin of that, but it is a psalm of David O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the sun, moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him for a little while, we're giving what most are agreed, actually both in the Greek and in the Hebrew, a term that references for a little while, that word little there, made him for a little while lower than the angels, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under His feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth. Well, amen. Amen. We trust the Lord to bless again the public reading of His inspired Word. I'll ask you to join again with me and bow our heads and hearts together. Our Heavenly Father, we would be found waiting upon You. Lord, there are different seasons of life, different circumstances of life. Sadly, often it is in the the best of times that we find ourselves seeking You the least. Lord, let us be of such a, a nature, such an understanding heart that we would rejoice and seek your presence even when things are very good. Lord, we know in times of trial and need that we are thrust upon you because we're forced to confess our dependence. But Lord, we pray that we would have such submissive and dependent hearts and spirits at all times. But Lord, bless us tonight at the close of this Lord's Day. Prosper our meditations on your word. We pray it in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. One of our evening meals in our recent time together with the family, we were at the table speaking about this psalm. You have been under my preaching and gathered many of the things, perhaps most of the things that we'll share this evening with regard to man in the place of God's creation. But I thought of that as we were coming, or as I was coming to that portion in Romans this morning, with regard to us being servants of righteousness, servants of God. And I trust that will be apparent as we continue our thoughts this evening. When I was a teenager and in my college years, somewhere in that transition, A Christian camp I was a camper at and later worked at on different variations of staff. Done everything from counseling to bathrooms and uh, they didn't trust me in the kitchen. Uh, They let me clean up some there but they didn't trust me to cook and that was probably very wise. But uh, there was an album produced. Many of you will be familiar with Ron Hamilton who was, I guess, later than that. uh, More famously known as Patch the Pirate who's recently gone to be with the Lord, but an album that he helped put together with the counseling choir from the camp. And one of the songs that was the title song for that album, How Majestic Is Thy Name, was drawn from this psalm. And you could understand his time, his many years working at the camp and seeing the beauty of that landscape four waterfalls on that particular property it was a a very precious and beautiful place to be and of course meditations on many of the psalms and this one in particular of how majestic is thy name and of course the glory of god manifested in his creation and i used to love that psalm and that album it's one of my go-to albums in my teen years didn't have it on 8-track, but once we graduated from 8-tracks to cassettes, I could go from vinyl to cassette and I I had it in the car. But really that perspective, really from that very good gospel psalm, is not the full perspective of what's put before us here. This is a psalm that we might say reaches all the way back and reaches all the way forward. It's a psalm that puts on display for us God's purpose and plan for man in His created order. I want to work through the psalm this evening, but I want from this psalm to go backwards and forwards to two particular places of Scripture. But the first thought as we approach the psalm itself, David truly is given to marvel. Lord, how excellent is Your name in all the earth. you set Your glory, notice He says, above the heavens. Later He's going to speak of meditations upon the stars. You know, that's something I don't think we do a lot. There's a phenomenon, I think the technical term for it is light pollution. When you're in a city, when you're in a place where Artificial light is produced at night. It obscures a lot of what we would see in the heavens. When you live in the southeast in the summer, the humidity obscures what you would see in the heavens. Go to a mountain peak in the dry west. Wow. To see the wonder of those stars, to hear... What scientists and creation scientists speak to us of as to the number of galaxies that have been observed and averaging out the number of stars in those galaxies and the staggering distances that we see. How excellent is the Lord's name. How much of His power and Godhead are clearly seen as we've read in Romans in all of this. And so I say there is a wonder in God's creation. And even under the curse, how beautiful indeed it is. I was speaking with Kevin a few days ago with regard to the Rocky Mountains. We were I was driving with one of our other ministers several years ago from Prince George, British Columbia. If you get your geography out, that's about halfway between... Washington State and Alaska. And we went west. No, we went east. We'd have been in the water if we'd gone west very long. Went east, crossed the Rockies to Jasper. And then down the Rockies toward Banff and then Calgary. And it was an amazing trip. And to see the the road, I thought we'd be weaving and winding, like, you know, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, take a little Dramamine. It was just a great straight road and stunning views but at one particular place we could literally see for miles and it just seemed so evident because these huge peaks on one side were jagged and there were parallel lines through them and the other side you could almost ride a piece of cardboard down it for 5,000 feet or so just straight as it could be and it just seemed as if there had maybe at one time been a plane there, and then it's a mountain range. Something happened. But I say if this world is as beautiful as it is under the curse, what was it before the curse, and what will it be as a redeemed new heavens and new earth? There is wonder in observing and meditating Upon God's creation. But the psalm brings us, and this really is the heart of the psalm, to another wonder. To the wonder of the dominion that God gave to man. Having considered the wonder of creation, he says in verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. And you consider here that David is... Meditating. David is under inspiration, given understanding as to man's place in what God has done. Thou hast, verse 5, made him for a little while lower than the angels. There was purpose in that. There was our first federal head as we've recently studied. And his point of testing under that first covenant, that covenant of works. And of course, we venture into the hypothetical here because God hasn't revealed what it would have been because that's not what He had purposed. But had Adam eaten of the tree of life instead of the tree of knowledge, If he would believed God instead of believing the liar, the father of lies, the devil, whose design was to bring ruin to this other creature that was destined to be exalted above him, was only temporarily lower than the angels. If you turn back with me to the book of Genesis... As I said, this is a psalm that reaches all the way back and all the way forward. Perhaps the things we look at and share are familiar, but I think a lot these days of you young people and stuff i preached on that, well, you were just a warm thought in your parents' hearts when I preached that. But Genesis 1, from verse 26, we read here, and of course, this is the first of that dual account of creation in Genesis 1 and chapter 2 as well. But we read, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He him. Male and female created He them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Many speak of this as the dominion mandate. Man was to be God's regent. We've used that term often. Think of it in our context of Romans 6 this morning, man was to be God's servant, ruling over the rest of what God had made. I believe it is this that provoked the fall of Satan, that he would not have another creature rule over him. He could not find a place in God's created order to submit to another creature. One who at that time appeared to be less glorious, less worthy than he. And so the arch deceiver comes to a creature he envies and says God's given you a bad deal. how to frame a lie and you know now he does the opposite he comes to a creature that he succeeded in leading into his fall and ruin mankind under wrath and says you're doing fine don't worry about a thing just have fun go your own way what a liar Deceitful enemy he is, and so in the psalm we are brought to understand something of the the tragedy of sin, because while well, man still in some ways exercises dominion, and yet the fall has changed that, has it not? Some animals that are quite easy to tame and submit to us and others, well, we must stay out of their way. We wouldn't win that sheer brute contest. And man has come to such corruption and alienation to be a child of wrath. But I want you to turn to Hebrews now with me. Hebrews chapter 2. Of sharing in that conversation with the family, I really think you can take Hebrews or Genesis 1 Psalm 8 and Hebrews 2 and really tell the whole story. Read with me from verse 5 in Hebrews 2. For unto the angels Hath He not put in subjection the world to come whereof we speak? They're not destined to rule in eternity. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, of the Son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him for a little while lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and it set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under His feet. For in that He put all in subjection under Him, He left nothing that is not put under Him. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. Something tragic happened. This creature that bears God's image fell That image was marred. That dominion was ruined. The curse is upon the earth itself. You know, it's interesting, and we'll come there in Romans 8, but Paul speaks there of the creation itself groaning and travailing in pain together until now. Man's fall impacted what he was to rule over. Fallen man doesn't live in a perfect world anymore. He lives in a fallen world. And thankfully, as we read there in Romans and elsewhere, part of the redemption is going to include the world, the new heavens and the new earth. But we don't see that restored, planned, joyous condition yet. So we see not yet all things put under Him. What the psalm looks toward isn't now. But he goes on. Verse 9. But we see Jesus. And then notice what he says. Who was made for a little while. lower and the angels. For the suffering of death, And what have we seen in Romans 6? Jesus submitted Himself to death that He might, in union with us, destroy death. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. But now what do we see? Crowned with glory and honor that He by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became Him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both He that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. What did Jesus say to His disciples as He prepared to ascend bodily to heaven from their very sight? All power. All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I think this is one of those areas where we need, again, to exercise care. But as the eternal Son of God, as the divine second person of the triune God, He had always had all authority and all power. But here's one who's taken into union with himself our nature. Here's one who in our nature is ascending to the presence of God to take his seat at the right hand of God. And he's taken us with him. We're seated together with him tonight in heavenly places. We are seated at his right hand. And I think of this, and, as I said, from these three references at the beginning and the middle and the end of the scriptures, the whole of the story is there. But as Jesus is seated there, how is it How is it that Jesus is described as you work through that wondrous prophecy of Isaiah? As Isaiah speaks to Israel and her sin and coming to her days of ruin and the captivities. And Israel was God's chosen. Israel was God's servant. But yet had so failed in each instance. But yet there was something about the promises. And then ultimately we see those promises passing from Israel itself to one who is the servant of Jehovah. To one who is God's elect. Because really when we talk about election, Jesus is God's elect. We've been elected in Him. We were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. But to carry on again those thoughts we so briefly shared this morning about the ways and occasions in which servitude is a position of honor and blessing. Here's the servant of Jehovah who successfully redeemed His people, who is now the surety, the new head of that people, and has taken His seat, who has as a second man earned what the first man failed to earn. And so... In this second man, in this ascended, glorified Jesus, we find the fulfillment of the psalm. There is a day coming because the fullness of this redemption has not yet occurred. It's guaranteed, its purchase price is paid. But the Lord is still allowing time to go on for a season until He fills up that role of His elect. Comes again. Changes us. That we might from these vile bodies be transformed and have resurrected or glorified bodies that are changed and fashioned like unto His glorious body that we might with Him reflect the glory of God and from the place of God's right hand, rule, serve the rest of creation. Now what Ephesians says, God will glory to put on display before principalities and powers in heavenly places. The wonder of His work of redemption. Glorious work of His beloved Son. And so the psalm closes with now the repetition here. As the psalm speaks of the wonder of the original creation. The wonder of dominion that was given and promised to men. But the the tragedy of sin intervening. The curse descending upon man and creation. But the wonder of redemption as Hebrews takes from this psalm now the story of Jesus. And so as we come to the closing refrain, which is a repetition of the opening of the psalm, the wonder of worship. And yet I say for all that the flesh would kick against and Seek to come out from under. He says, I've got to serve God. It was a place so enviable. It caused the fall of the most glorious of the angels. To serve and do God's bidding. To be one... That would above the rest of creation reflect the glory of the Creator and would with His restored image, even as Paul says, rule over angels. What a wonder, what a privilege to be servants of righteousness as we read in Romans 6. To be joined to that servant of Jehovah as we read in Isaiah. To be redeemed by this Jesus who with a very different mission than Adam's mission who made Himself for a little while lower than the angels. For the suffering of death He might redeem a people and take them to the place they were supposed to have been. Genesis 1, Psalm 8, Hebrews 2. I submit to you, there's a wealth of deep meditation in these brief verses telling the story of God's designs for man. And I trust the Lord will challenge us, bless us, convict us and help us with the wonder of what David saw and reflected upon in that psalm. Let's bow our heads and our hearts together. O oh Lord, our Lord. How excellent is Your name in all the earth when we consider the works of Your hands, the sun, moon, and stars. Lord, they are worthy of wonder and praise from a shepherd boy several millennia ago looking at them from a hillside. We are all the more lost in wonder, or should be. As we now can look at them from the heavens. We have probes that have gotten very near and sent remarkable footage. And you, Lord, you can cover the heavens with the span of your hand. And this is but a feeble picture. What is man that you've chosen in this place of your creation to reveal yourself more most fully? Lord, help us in all the distractions and all the follies of sinful man in this sin-cursed earth. Wars and rumors of wars. All the troubles that sin brings. A culture that is literally burning up around us. Lord, help us to be lights of the gospel in such a crooked and perverse generation. Bring the wondrous message of redemption. To be as Bunyan so aptly put that character. Freed from the city of destruction. And the journey to that celestial city. Well, oh, Lord, help us in our pilgrimage. Help us in the days that this week brings. In our homes, in our jobs, in our different responsibilities as parents, as children, whatever our role. To walk in the fear of God, and yet the glory and the privilege. Of being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. A master who has but the best interest. In the happiness of his servants. And to be freed from the deceiver. Who would try and convince us that. We can sin without consequence. O oh Lord, be near. By Your Spirit, speak the word in season that each of us needs. And grant us help in the days of this week. And bring us again next Lord's Day, eager to feast again upon the living word. And so we lay these things before You and ask that You'll go with us and make each of us mindful of Your presence. We pray in Jesus' worthy name. Amen.